What is your bowl of stew? What is your bowl of stew? Let's go to Genesis this morning, the 25th chapter, 19 through 34. And it says, this is the family tree of Isaac, son of Abraham. Abraham had Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bithuel, the um, Ramian of Paddan Aram, and she was the sister of Laban the Aramian. Isaac prayed hard. He prayed to God, prayed for his wife because she was barren. And God answered his prayer, and Rebekah became with child or pregnant. But the children tumbled, kicked inside her womb, so much and so until she said, if this is the way it's going to be, why am I even living? So she went to God to find out, Lord, what's going on inside of me? And God told her, listen, there are two nations in your womb, two peoples, button heads, while still in your body. One people will overpower the other, and the elder will serve the younger. And when her time to give birth came, sure enough, there were twins in her womb. The first came out reddish, as if snugly wrapped in a hairy blanket. He was real hairy. And they called him Esau, which means hairy. His brother followed, and his fist was clenched tight to Esau's heel, and they named him Jacob, which means heel. Isaac was 60 years old when they were born. 27. The boys grew up. Esau became an expert hunter, an outdoorsman. Jacob was a quiet man, preferring life indoors among the tents. Isaac loved Esau because he loved his game. He liked what he hunted, brought back food. But Rebecca, she loved Jacob. <laughs> we got some dissension in the family. One day, Jacob was cooking a stew. Esau came in from the field, starved. Esau said to Jacob, man, give me some of that red stew. I'm starved. And that was how he was called Edom, or Red. And Jacob said, all right, I'll tell you what. You make me a trade. I'll give you some stew, but you got to give me your rights as the firstborn. Esau said, man, I'm starving. What good is a birthright if I'm dead? Jacob said, first, I need you to swear to me. And yes, Esau did it. And on an oath, Esau, traded away his rights as the firstborn. Jacob gave him bread and the stew of lentils. He ate and drank and got up and left. And that's how Esau shrugged off his rights as the firstborn. So let's just break this down so we can get a, a better grasp on it. On this particular day, the hunt has not gone well. Normally, he goes out and comes back 
with an animal that he has slain. But today, not so much. Esau has been out hunting since early morning, but without success. And now the afternoon is wearing on and it's hot. So now he's sweating. And while he's laying down in all of his dirt and tall grass, he is becoming absolutely frustrated. Now, don't forget, the scripture said that he was a hairy person. So that means bugs are crawling from the ground, let's be real, and the grass into his hair on his body, all over his body, because he's laying in the ground, you know, trying to wait for a, a good shot at an animal. Now, can't you just imagine how uncomfortable he had to be? Now, remember back in that day, this is biblical days, there was no off, no insect repellent, okay? And, and, and so forget, uh, don't forget, he also probably has scrapes and bruises, small cuts uh, from bumping into stuff and running around trees trying to find a good spot from weeds and thorns. So he's got to be absolutely miserable. Oh, and, and don't forget the flies. Yes, yes, we cannot discount the flies. You know those little gnats and flies that come out due to animal dung on the ground? Oh yes, there were a lot of flies and they had to be biting him something fierce because again, don't forget, he is laying on the ground where the dung is. Now, if we could just use our imagination, it appears to be one of those days where there is no wind. So it is a smothering heat. So we now have hot sun, no wind, bugs and flies and dung, and this boy ain't caught nothing. <laughs> Esau is no, I mean, he is so tired and so hungry and so teed off. And I mean, he is absolutely frustrated. He even forgot to bring enough water for this trip because he didn't expect to be out this long. He didn't have any snacks. He didn't have any dried fruit. They normally have some dates uh, or some or some figs. He didn't have any crackers, you know, no homemade bread broken up. Esau is beginning to think, wow, I, I can't make it to this day. I just can't. I, I, can't, I can't do this. And he's thinking, I, I need food and I need food. Now I need drink. I, I, I got to get up from here. So Esau has gotten weak. And even as he tries to get down uh, from where he is up on this hill, trying to get a good shot, he cannot wait to get home. He feels dejected like a failure. And don't forget, they didn't have sunblock back in that day. No, there wasn't no sunblock lotion. So this ruddy red man is sunburned, tired, thirsty, and hungry. And he is absolutely starving. You know, when you get to this point, sometimes you just don't think rationally. Have you been there? Frustrated, tired? angry, teed off, 
and your mind just starts to wonder and you just want something to satisfy you to get you past this point of frustration. You're really not thinking clearly. Esau is getting ready to show us some behavior that we all will one day regret. As he gets close to home, Esau smells something. What is that? Oh my God. His eyes brighten as he sniffs the air. Because don't forget, he hadn't caught a thing. And even if he did, it's got to come home and got to prepare it. Every step he took, the smell, the aroma became stronger. Oh my God. His twin brother Jacob was cooking again. And this time it smelled like his famous lentil stew. Everybody can't cook, but Jacob could because he learned from his mama, Rachel. Don't forget, he was her favorite. Esau was the daddy's favorite. Yeah, we got dissension in the family. So what luck. Esau felt like, oh my gosh, he couldn't wait for Jacob to serve it up for dinner because he was absolutely starving. And nobody makes lentil stew like Jacob. And we know the rest of the story because we just read it. Esau gave up his own birthright for a bowl of stew. Now let's just break this down so that we can get a real grasp on what we have here. And don't forget the title of our message is, What is Your Bowl of Stew? Jacob, in 33, Well then, vow to God that it is mine. This is what he says. And Esau vowed, thereby selling his eldest son rights to his younger brother. Then Jacob gave Esau bread, peas, and stew, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hook you up. <laughs> so he ate and drank and went on about his business. Now I'm going to say this, and I don't mean no harm. Fat, dumb, and happy. Uh, indifferent to the loss of the rights he had just thrown away. Now we can all shake our heads in disbelief when we think about the well-known story of Esau selling his birthright for a measly bowl of lentil stew. And we can say how he could have, how in the world could he do such a thing? But I'm going to ask you this question. Are we any better today? Scripture reminds us of these kinds of stories so that we don't make the same mistakes. 1 Corinthians 10, 6 through 12, the apostle, he lists five major sins of the Israelite people. And you can look it up. I I don't have time to read it. We got to move on. Uh, In essence, there was only one major sin, but the others led to this major sin. And that was idolatry. The other sins they committed were just a step that took them to idolatry. And these verses list lust, idolatry, fornication, tempting God and murmuring. But the Corinthian church had another problem that Paul doesn't list here 
It is something that we have to read between the lines to even see. But once we begin to see it, it begins to become quite clear. Their problem was a careless presumption that had its roots in, here we go, that famous word, what God hates. Yes, pride. The Corinthian church, the Corinthian folks were like many of the publicans or republicans today. They thought they were better than everybody else. They elevated themselves above their brethren. And this careless, presumptuous attitude made them think that they were all right with God. We, we are the ones closest to God. Nobody else. We are the moral majority. Huh? And where did they get this false pride from? To think that only they had proper contact and relationship with God. And they could treat others with disdain because they were the called. They were the chosen. They were the elite. They didn't even realize it, but they were actually, and listen to me, worshiping themselves. This was pure idolatry. And, and, and this is what they say. We, we have another advantage. Listen, Esau didn't, yes, I'm getting ready to say it. He didn't even know the Lord. Not only did he not know the Lord, he didn't care to know the Lord because he didn't feel it was necessary. I'm a hunter. I'm successful. My daddy loves me. What else do I need in the world? And his father didn't think enough to push the fact that you need God, son. You need God. huh? And so he lived in a house where they praised God. He was Isaac's son, who was Abraham's son. And you know that story. I'm not going into all that. And yet Esau didn't find it important enough to know God. Yes, we have homes like that today. A so-called Christian home supposed to be raising our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We were brothers and sisters brought up in the same godly home. And yet some of us come out and we don't know God. How does that occur? Because we don't want to know God. You can't force something on somebody who doesn't want it. This man Esau gave up his God-given birthright. For a bowl of stew. And I imagine he ate several bowls. So, you know, bowl of stew, bowls of stew, plural, whatever. It was for some stew. He was not converted. But we are. And we have a responsibility to share this gospel. And Isaac failed him. Through the indwelling of God's Holy Spirit, we have helped like we never had before and like they didn't have back then. We can use this godly insight and this power of the Holy Spirit to learn and to grow in the way of living that will please God. What's wrong with us? Why haven't we done that? Why aren't we raising our children in that manner? How can we have lost children today? It just 
doesn't make sense. And that's because they have gotten their own bowl of stew. And we're going to name them. And they're satisfied. Esau either couldn't see or didn't care that God had already promised. And listen, what's in this, what he gave up. Vast lands and wealth to the descendants of Abraham. All those come with the birthright and with the birthright son. And he was the eldest, so he was the birthright son. You can read it in Genesis 26, 1 through 5. I don't have time to read it. I mean, you can just imagine for a second that Esau could have foreseen all of North America, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, vast sections of Europe, parts of the Middle East. And and you know what's funny? Would that have made more difference to Esau? Not at the time. His concern was his stomach. His concern was being pleased, was being fed. Uh, He smelled soup. I want the soup. Everything else don't matter. How, How about unimaginable wealth and power and military might and political impact? Uh, world leadership. His descendants could have had all of that. Yes, his descendants. He he. When he blew it, he blew it for his descendants. Uh, when the father blows it, he blows it for his children. And, and how about the potential for a far greater spiritual inheritance? The blessing. Read Genesis 27, 1 through 29. I'm not going to read it. You can go back and read it for yourself. All of that accompanied the birthright. You see, the real problem here was Esau didn't believe all this godly stuff. That was the problem. Hmm? He didn't believe it. He didn't care. These beliefs, these benefits were not real to him. Oh, that's the problem. That's right. He couldn't touch them. He couldn't see them. Then they ain't real. He didn't have any faith. They were too far in the future. They weren't present at the moment. The only thing that mattered to Esau was the right now. He was hungry. Here was food. Here was soup or stew. And it's right before him. Give me the stew. Give me the stew. Wow. Esau's impulsive, unholy, live for now attitude lifestyle cost him and his descendants dearly. As God said, he despised his birthright. Wow. You better go look up that word despised because I don't have time to go into it. He he hated his birthright. Mm -mm -mm. God has called us to a fabulous, unfathomable birthright. And our birthright As first fruits of God makes Esau's birthright seem trivial. If we cannot or will not realize what God has offered us, we let this prize slip away as tragically as Esau spurned his birthright. We can't let that happen. We cannot let that happen. But some of us are. 
Look at what the word says as clearly as Paul put it in Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Esau, are you listening? Lest at any time we should let them slip. Mm, 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 mm. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost according to his own will. It, and, and, and let me give it to you in the message so we can get a better grasp on it. It is crucial that we keep a firm grip on what we've heard so that we don't drift off. If the old message delivered by the angels was valid, and we know it was, and nobody got away with anything, do you think that we can risk neglecting this same message? This latest message that we're given, this magnificent salvation? First of all, it was delivered in person by the master then accurately passed on to us by those who heard it from him, from Jesus to the disciples, written all through the word of God and given to us. All the while, God was validating it with gifts through the Holy Spirit, all sorts of signs and miracles as he saw fit. Think about us today. Are we inundated with advertisements on TV, radio, internet, and so forth? Of course, all these things they're promising to us sound good. Uh? And, and some of them even come with an offer of a lifetime guarantee. Uh? Does that sound familiar to what Adam and Eve were offered? Yes. Are we repeating that same mistake all over again? As first fruits, do we even believe in the rapture? Because I don't hear about it anymore. Do we believe we're going to inherit this earth? Have we walked away from the world so that these wonderful things can be secured? Or are we still holding on to the world, our bowl of stew, saying, hey, I don't know about heaven. I, I, you know, I heard about it, but I, I, it ain't, I don't see it. But I got a bowl of stew in front of me. And we're going to talk about what that bowl of stew is. Are, are we letting sin reign in our life? Causing us to forfeit our rights just like Esau? Will God be able to say to us, Well done, thou good and faithful servant? Or could we hear instead, You need to step on. You need to depart from me. I don't know you, and I've never known you. I know you thought you knew me, but you don't know me. The choice is largely ours at this point. God calls us his children. And therefore we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ of everything that God has. Huh? Everything. Isn't that what Romans 8, 16 and 17 say? 
Look it up. So how are we going then to, how, how, how are we doing with God's once in an eternity offer? Are we showing by our actions that we are treasuring it? Or are we showing by our actions that we instead despise it? Have we recognized the true opportunity? And are we giving up all else to secure it? I've got to stop here. Weekly encouragements by Nam Ware. And obviously we're going to have to do a part two later on. God bless.